0: Welcome to the Wellness and Wanderlust podcast. We're here to demystify wellness and help you add a little adventure to your life. Tune in for a new episode every week where we'll hear from incredible guests and talk about ways to be happier and healthier in our new normal. I'm your host, Valerie Moses. Let's get started. Hey, hey, Wellness and Wanderlust fam. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I hope that wherever you are and whenever you're listening, this show comes to you exactly when you need to hear it. If you're new here, Wellness and Wanderlust is all about helping us live our best lives by making just small changes. This week's topic is one that I've really been working on bringing into my own life, and that's mindfulness. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation. Our guest for today is Dr. Lisa Nesneski, who defines mindfulness as awareness in the present moment without judgment. Lisa is a pharmacist and author of the new book, Seven Mindful Questions, Stop Wasting Time redirect your mind, focus on what matters. After she ended up in the emergency room with her pulse in the 20s, Lisa was forced to make some lifestyle changes, and we're going to get into those today. Her book, Seven Mindful Questions, is a must-read that walks you through the seven questions you should ask when you're navigating a stressful situation. In our conversation, Lisa shares the story behind her wellness journey and the role that mindfulness has played in her overall wellness. We talked about the benefits of mindfulness and meditation, especially for those of us busy professionals, how we can be more present in our lives, the importance of feeling our feelings, and how energy healing modalities can help us when we're feeling stuck. Plus, Lisa has a special freebie for our listeners, so if you go to the show notes of this episode, you can access her guided meditations for free. I highly suggest you check them out. But before you do, let's go ahead and dive into this week's conversation. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for joining us at Wellness and Wanderlust today.
1: Hi, Valerie. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here today. Well,
0: I am so excited to have you. I absolutely loved your book. And really, before we dive in, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and let them know a little bit about your wellness journey?
1: Oh, sure. I'm Lisa Nezneski. I'm the meditating pharmacist. So I've been a pharmacist for a very long time and I'm board certified in pharmacotherapy and that's my day job. I also have a practice where I help people integrate their medications with natural supplements and I teach meditation. So my wellness journey was a long process, Valerie. I actually ended up in the emergency room with my heart rate Uh, decreasing. Every time I would get chest pain, I would have this incredible crushing pain, but they found it wasn't my heart. And, uh, you know, my normal heart rates in the 50s, which is kind of slow. But every time this crushing pain would come, my heart rate would drop. And I saw it drop into the 40s. And then I saw it drop into the 30s. And I'm watching it go down and down. And when I hit right around 30, I said to my significant other, I said, I don't want to miss my life. This could be it. I could be checking out right now. And I don't want to miss my life. And so I took a deep breath at that point, And I blew it out. And my heart rate started to climb back up. But there I was, you know, I'm aware of how to read a monitor. I'm not very good at it. It's not my skill set. But, you know, as the natural tendency is to look at the EKG and the oxygen saturation, which were fine, they rarely look at the pulse. And I had to, to tell the medical professionals to look at the pulse rate that it's dropping. And then the room started to flood with people. So anyway, it was it was a harrowing experience It was me neglecting my body for many years, just powering through, you know, I was going to be that executive that, that had success and, you know, I was going to do whatever it takes to be successful. And there's a a personal price that I paid, you know, with my health for doing that. So at that point, I started to question everything and I opened myself up to any potential healing modality that could in fact, um, bring me back, you know, and meditation was a big part of that.
0: I mean, what, what an incredible story and especially that meditation that it's had such a profound effect on your life, but how terrifying it must be to see your pulse go down so low and not really know at the time, maybe what's causing it and how you can get out of that. So I'd love to know a little bit about that meditation journey for you and really what you found from that.
1: So I had been trained in in various meditation types for a long time, and I never really incorporated it into my life until after that episode that I talked about there. I had a teacher that offered 60 day challenge. And he said, five minutes a day. And I thought, I can find five minutes twice a day to do this. I can do this. And so when I started doing that, I went back and refreshed what I had learned from him previously. And up to this point, I hadn't been meditating on a regular basis. It was sporadic. Like I had some tools and techniques that I would use, you know, really when you're getting really stressed out, you know, is when the time I would reach for it. But until I reached the point where I had absolutely nothing literally to lose, that's when I really decided to integrate meditation into my life. So from that 60 day challenge, I've not stopped meditating twice a day since. And it started with five minutes a day in the morning, five minutes at night.
0: That's pretty incredible. And I think so often the story you tell about that powering through that I think so many of us experience, I mean, I think it's very relatable. We all want to get to the top of the food chain and we're working hard and maybe not playing hard, but truly focusing on, you know, what is that next step? What is that next step? Really neglecting ourselves and when we think about taking these wellness practices into account, a lot of times we're thinking, like, I don't have time to cultivate a new practice and five minutes a day or twice a day is, I mean, that's time that is easily spent doing a thousand other things. So I think that's something that we need to prioritize a little bit more for sure.
1: Well, you're right. I mean, how much time do you look at your phone? I'm a total BuzzFeed addict, and <laughs> they can have a list of twenty things, and I'm going to read all twenty of those. And so, you know, recently I've just put put the phone down. You know,
0: yeah, do something
1: else, be productive. You know,
0: absolutely. I mean, BuzzFeed is addictive, I will say, and social media too. And they're they're designed to be. They pick colors that will make you want to open up the apps again. They really know the science behind, you know, what's going to make you use their app more and more. So it's more profitable. But I think we forget about that. And I think about so often that I open my phone for no reason, there's nothing I really need to check, but so many other things that I could be doing with that time. Same thing with Netflix, same thing with a, a lot of the, the thing the things that we do throughout the day. So I think again, that five minutes is something that is so manageable. I'd love to know a little bit more about cultivating that meditation practice. And for those who are maybe not sure where to begin or kind of how to slow down and get started, it can be a really intimidating thing for many of us. What are your suggestions to kind of get started on that?
1: So meditation doesn't have to be a Zen monk sitting up on a mountain, you know, wearing robes in the cross-legged position. You know we've we've got this misconception that meditation is something that is a task that it might not be attainable without years and years of practice, which, you know, of course, years of practice does make you a better meditator. But when you're getting started, paying attention to just your breath is good enough. One of the main anchors of mindfulness in the early training is, breath, bodily sensations, or ambient sounds. So for example, you can just pay attention to your breath with a nice big inhale in and exhale, three breaths like that. And when you exhale a little bit longer than your inhale, you turn on the body's what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest system. So it actually flips you from hard charging, move, get out there, let's do this, to, okay, let's take a break, break let's take a breath. And, and by doing that, you, you really start to feel like you are back inside your body. As a pharmacist, and you can imagine that, you know, I lived... From my my shoulders up for many years, because my intellect was what was paying the bills. There was a point in time where my son would say to me, "Mama, mama, mom, five moms, fast, rapid fire, and I wouldn't hear them until the fifth one. Sad but true. So he still does it and he's in his 30s, but it's sort of a joke now, you know, that, you know, to get mom's attention, you've got to really almost grab her by the the ears and shake her because she's up inside her head. So anyway, um, you know, that that wasn't sustainable, I guess. So as you're a beginning meditator, um, paying attention to your breath is is so important. And also just really feeling into that, knowing that all it takes is three breaths for you to reset your entire nervous system. So when you're learning, you can also, there's some general misconceptions about how difficult it is. And that, you know, the am I doing this right? You know, (laughs) when you start to meditate, everybody's like, am I doing this right or not? Well, if you come, I I have another acronym. I like acronyms. A box, A-B-O-X. You accept what is happening. The A, whatever's happening in that meditation experience is what is happening. B, you come at it with a beginner's mind, which means that every meditation is a fresh and new experience. If you're trying to think that you're going to be blissful, you're going to be clearly disappointed you know, because your mind is busy, your mind thinks thoughts, and th- and that's its job. So thoughts will arise during meditation. And sometimes those thoughts are un- unpleasant and uncomfortable. But if you get into a technique, where, as the thoughts arise, and you name them, or you say, Oh, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, or you name that what the thought is, or the experience, it just allows it to flow away. Let's see. Accept. Beginner's mind. O is observe. Just be an observer like you're at a sports game where you're not in the game. You're just watching what's happening. And you might be invested in it, but you don't necessarily have to because it's your meditation time. And then X for a a box is expectations. So if you come at the uh, meditation, thinking that I'm going to hit it out of the park, I'm going to have this wonderful experience of calmness and bliss. And I'm going to walk away from this experience, the most Zen person you've ever met. Well, you're setting yourself up with, with expectations that are unrealistic. So have no expectations going in. It's an experience. That's the other X is just have the experience of the meditation.
0: I love a good acronym. First of all, that makes it so much easier to understand and to kind of take you through the experience because you're right. I think so often something is going to happen. There could be an, you know, you could be in the perfect environment, but you have a noise outside Something happens, something comes into your mind from yesterday, or something like that. It's, I mean, it's bound to happen. And to find the right way to address that rather than, oh man, well, now my meditation is ruined. I'm going to get back on my phone, or, you know, letting that cloud you for the rest of the time rather than, I love the idea of naming it and, you know, just doing that without judgment. I think that's such an incredible tip and something that we can all implement. So I, I love this advice. And I'd love to know a little bit more with meditation and mindfulness. I think mindfulness is something that we all want to cultivate, we may not fully understand it. Can you talk a little bit about that? And what some of the benefits are of cultivating mindfulness? And how do you define it?
1: Well, um, let's start with the definition. Mindfulness is awareness in the present moment without judgment. Nothing more than that you know, so you can kind of think of it as your body, mind and spirit all in the same location at the same time. So you're not off thinking about something else while you're taking a walk. You're there looking at the sunset and it's touching you deeply. So you have that experience of being in that moment. That's
0: something that I think so many of us strive to get to. And I can think of so often, you know, when you talk about being from the shoulders up really in your head through the day, and I completely can relate to that. I feel like I am, very much in my head. And a lot of times I'm not experiencing the thing because I need to make sure my phone is nearby or you're thinking about that other thing going on, but there's always a distraction and you're not really feeling in the moment or many of the self-numbing that we do as well with over, for me, it's overbooking my schedule, sometimes snacking and things like that. But we all have, I think these mechanisms in place for not being mindful. Why is that?
1: I'm not sure I can answer why, but I was, I could so relate to the snacking and the overbooking of my schedule. I think once I realized that it was not sustainable, that I, I really began to take control of my schedule and block things out. Like I have a block at 11 AM for 15 minutes every day, just to kind of retouch in with myself during the work day, make sure that I'm on target. So I'm not exactly sure why we, we overbook. I think we, we just want to succeed and we think that that's the way to get there. So uh, you, you asked me about the definition of mindfulness, but you also asked me about the benefits. So let tell you what, what I feel is that personally, I feel much less anxious, you know, forward thinking when I'm in the moment. So it also helps me actually think clear, and and um, those those are well documented. When you're focused, when you ask me about can who can learn to meditate, if you can focus on something for a few minutes, if you can concentrate for a few minutes, you can definitely meditate. So meditation enhances concentration, that enhances meditation. So it's, it's this cyclical process that gets better over time. Um, One of my favorites is personal presence. Because, you know, you and I are here, and we're on zoom at the moment. And we're looking at each other eye to eye, we are communicating. And I'm sure that you've had an experience where someone has just been, "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." you know, they're not listening to you. Right? So, taking advantage of those moments because that's really all we have. You know, we mm-hmm. have the now, right now, and uh, we're not guaranteed a future. We do have a past, but who wants to live there? You know, let's right. live right. Now, so personal presence is one of my favorites, especially in the workplace, you can see who's thinking about what question they're going to ask you next, Mm -hmm. instead of what it is that you're saying, especially in meetings, you know, you'll see that in meetings all the time, so. And my absolute favorite benefit of mindfulness, there's a technique called loving kindness, where you think of, you include yourself, you include someone that is absolutely beloved, like a grandmother or granddaughter, in my case, someone that you've had difficulty with, someone that you don't know at all. So you're sending positive thoughts, like, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may no harm come to you. Those are some of the, the phrases for loving kindness. But the interesting part is there is research that shows that loving kindness actually slows down aging. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So from the scientific point of view, you know, I'm I'm waving the loving kindness badge.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was going to say I have a birthday coming soon and I think I'm going to need to do the same thing. (laughs) I I can truly speak to that, that so often when I find that someone will bring somebody up and I think, wow, I really don't like that person. And I don't really like this person. Most of the time it's because I'm having a rough time. I am not happy myself in that moment. I'm stressed out. And when I truly take the time to think about, well, is there a reason I don't like this person? Did they actually do anything to harm me? Or did we have a weird encounter one time a year ago that really didn't mean anything. And when I kind of readjust that way and kind of send more of that positivity and I am usually a lot happier. And so I think that's something that we have to keep in mind is usually when we're holding in all of those negative emotions toward other people. I mean, that's affecting every single area of our lives.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The the Dalai Lama talks a lot about forgiveness as being the gateway to mindfulness uh, as you know what once you've forgiven someone you're 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 opening up space for unconditional love to come in and and love being the highest vibration of, of all who doesn't want to aspire to that because that's really you know what what this whole little experiment called life on earth is all about is is learning to love one another absolutely
0: and i think that's something we we know in our hearts, but I think we don't really put into practice for a long time in in many cases. And I'd love to know for you. So you wrote a book about some of your experiences with mindfulness and with cultivating this practice. And there's a term you use in the book. I cannot pronounce it. I don't know if
1: it's Augenblick. 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 Yes. Augenblick. The real Germans will say Augenblick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do that.
0: Oh yes, my German. She says after she does it. <laughs> my ger- my German grandmother, if she's listening to this, will cringe at my accent. Um, but with that, you know, you had you had these moments. I think with mindfulness came some clarity for you, and I'd love to know a little bit about that process.
1: Well, yes. So Augenblick is a decisive moment in time that is fleeting. But it's momentarily eventful and incredibly significant. And for me, that's the most reductive essence of mindfulness, that you're right there in that moment and it does change you and you experience it. And it could be a beautiful sunset, like I mentioned, but it could also be lying on the gurney in the emergency room, you know, where you're going to, it's going to change you in a way Mm. that you've got to react to it. So it it encompasses both the positive and the negative parts of mindfulness.
0: And I know in your book, you even say, you know, you have to be fully present in your life in order to even recognize those moments
1: and to, to gather meaning from them too. Exactly. So that leads me perfectly into the first question of uh, the seven mindful questions. You know, I, I I was going through a divorce. I was living in a 35-foot RV in an industrial park. My life really wasn't what I expected it to be, you know, as, as an educated professional, that was probably the lowest point of my life. Not probably it was. And, you know, it could be for others, it could be, you know, a sick child, or a parent who's sick, or some really life event that is so stressful that you just can't possibly, you know, see your way through. And I found myself asking, what am I doing right now? And why am I doing this from from more, not necessarily accusatory, but it probably was at first, which was absolutely not helpful. You know, I had to start to learn self-compassion through this. But what am I doing and why am I doing it? You know, what's the reason there's there is um, all behaviors purposeful. So what was the reason behind that? Because and do I care about this? And that's the first three questions awareness, what am I doing? The because, the reason behind it, and do I care, ABC. And so the care actually allows you to think about what is it in your life that is most important? What is the most important things in your life? And I call that the personal core foundation, where your relationships, your health, your spiritual health, your financial health, your work life, your home life, those areas are what to me, are my personal core foundation. And if it doesn't enhance one of those, it, it went by the wayside through this process. So the first three questions, ABC, aware, because, care, then you pause and you breathe. And that is so important, the pausing and the breathing, because then you allow space for something else to come in, a better solution. When you're so in that spiral, of high emotion, I guess. I used to call it the tornado. To break that, that pausing and breathing does reset your nervous system, as we said. And then moving forward, the pause and breathe is really the middle of of the seven mindful questions. And then moving forward is, what is essential? So what am I going to choose? What What is essential that it's really the emotional heart of the seven. Number five is the the emotional heart. Like, how does this make me feel? Is this really essential? And then what can I do better? Because we all have patterns and we get stuck in them and we repeat them over and over till we kind of like, okay, I get it. I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> and then, you know, you can be fully aware that you're repeating a pattern and still do it, but you're aware. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Which was much better than subconsciously just doing something, you know. And then finally, it's alternatives. You know, what what alternative is really going to nourish me in this moment? What should I be doing right now? What are my alternatives? And then moving in the direction of what, what's really going to nourish you. You know, you can put your have-tos in there, you know, the things that you absolutely have to do. Uh, but once those are finished, or staged over several days, because you can't possibly get them all done at once, you're incorporating self-care into that as well, and self-compassion especially.
0: First of all, I love, again, the mnemonics with it, the ABC, CBA. I think that just makes it a lot easier for us to digest and to really think through very intentionally. I'd love to know, you know, as you're doing some of this soul searching, I think a lot of times it can be easy to be critical of ourselves when you're becoming aware of what you're doing. And even though I think we're supposed to really come at it from a more neutral place, you know, sometimes you're thinking, why, why do I do this to myself? And you take a lot of times we do end up taking a more judgmental approach. How do we separate ourselves from that and, and get out of that habit? Cause I think that's something that we just naturally oftentimes are drawn to doing.
1: Well, you're right. I think we do beat ourselves up. And the self-inflicted black eye doesn't really help. I got to the point where I said, all right, how much longer am I going to feel crappy about this? And and when am I going to let it go? And I think both meditation and Reiki. I, I used Reiki in my journey, helped me let go of the energetics of that. Journaling. Oh my goodness. I wrote so many journals that, yeah. In fact, my my first book grounded in chaos was was virtually my my journals written out in poetry format. So there was a lot of emotional processing through the writing. and I think that's important as well is to to find a way to get those feelings out, whether you know you might be a sports person and you might want to just go to the gym for a couple of hours or go for a run or whatever it is that you do to get that energy moving in your body and move it out. So some way to move, move the energy is really, I think most important when you, first of all, you're recognizing that you're doing it, you're beating yourself up and then moving beyond that.
0: I love that because I think so oftentimes we do just get stuck and it's this very stale energy of. You know, I'm just going to be feeling like this forever. And I remember there would be stressful times where I'd be thinking, "Wow, I'm going to be really stressed out until you know a month from now when such and such changes, or when the semester is over, when I was in school, and things like that." And I think, I I think you make a great point too of even just you know asking yourself, "How much longer am I going to feel this way?" Because I think we can honor the negative emotions for sure, but realizing that we don't have to sit in them forever and that there are ways that we can kind of work them out. I had heard, I can't remember who said this, but I was listening to a celebrity advice episode of a podcast and they were saying that they often, when they were going through the negative situation, would tell themselves, tomorrow I'm going to be feeling a lot better. And I think to even know that kind of gets you through it a little bit better rather than, you know, wow, this is this is going to be one crappy semester or Month at work or quarter, really letting it build up like that.
1: Well, I think it can be a self fulfilling prophecy as well. If you keep telling yourself the world is crappy, then mm-hmm. yeah, the world's crappy for you. And yeah. If you keep telling yourself that tomorrow's going to be better, tomorrow's mm-hmm. going to be better, you know, and tomorrow, eventually, tomorrow is better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, yeah, letting, finding a way to let the energy move through you. I love, the thought, You know, as a writer, I really love the journaling. And I think as I'm starting to get a little bit more consistent in the gym again, too, or at least now in my living room gym, but but I am noticing that, you know, as much as I hate myself leading into doing it a little bit still, I am finding that it gets me through my day better. I handle stress better. Be, and and I really do feel like it kind of moves through me. Even if I do kind of an angry workout, I feel much better by the end of it.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, energy wants to move. Yeah.
0: I'd love to know a little about your experience with Reiki, too. It's something that I haven't experienced personally yet. It's something I've been very curious about. And I'd love to know how that played into that healing journey for you.
1: Well, yes. I, as I said earlier, was going to investigate and be open to anything that could potentially help me heal. And so Reiki is energy medicine. And it does, you know, use a a really skilled practitioner will tell you that you have an energy that is stuck in a certain area and it's typically right on for me. I had a visualization once before I went to a Reiki session that that it was sort of like Tari, you know, energy in my gut. And and so she said, what's going on with your gut? It looks all tarry. I'm like, wow. you're right on. Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually very in tune to visualizations that I've been very intuitive that way for a long time. And I was drawn to it probably because of my intuition, but it is, it, you, you will feel some relief, of, of the, the stressful energy that, you know, it's not a one and done. It's not like taking a shower. Well, it is like taking a shower because you have to, your energy shifts and changes all day long. So having someone sort of move the big stuff out, help you move the big stuff out is really what, what the intent of Reiki is.
0: That's incredible. It's something that I've been meaning to try. And so at some point I'm going to set up a session. I'm just amazed at how, we carry these emotions and traumas and everything in our bodies, because I certainly do. I have a few places where I feel emotions and I've been saying it for years and people would tell me, you're crazy. You don't feel that there, but I absolutely do. And it's something that as I've learned more and more, I'm like, wow, that's an actual, that's a chakra right there. And, (laughs) you know, uh, so I, 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 think that's something that's so incredible. And I think that having that openness to different modalities as you're, as you're healing physically and spiritually and emotionally, I think all of that just ties in so well together. And I think that openness is so incredibly important.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. And, and yeah, once once you find out that there's so, there's like a thing there, it's a yeah. chakra. It's so <laughs> interesting, isn't it? I mean, seriously, it it's like, yeah, I've been feeling that in that location. And, that, and then when they explain to you that what what types of energy typically are concentrated there, like, you know, the first chakra is survival energy, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, for uh, the entire time of living in an RV and having rebuilding my finances, my first chakra was, was basically shut down. Wow. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it re- went right along with it. So yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> things are much better now. That's,
0: that's fantastic. I'm very happy to hear that. And I, I just, I I think it is so interesting to learn about that and to, to experience it firsthand. I mean, it's maybe not the most pleasant to experience firsthand, but to know what our bodies are holding on to and to have these modalities, whether it's Reiki, whether it's meditation and mindfulness, which I think really brings, you know, as you mentioned, it brings awareness to what you're experiencing in a way that, I think we don't really give ourselves the time to figure out for ourselves. I think we just sort of feel the thing and try to push ourselves past it without identifying it. But, but I think, I think all of these practices are just really great and different ways to figure out how we can move the energy through.
1: You mentioned something about feeling the feelings, and I honestly think that's how I ended up in the emergency room, because I was super, super stressed out I had, I don't know if I said this I had 275 employees in five departments in wow. hospital that I was responsible for so I was powering through I was pushing down my feelings. Until they reached back up and grabbed me by the heart and said, this is enough, you know, so feeling the feelings and they do get stuck and trapped in your body and where you feel something is your I'm validating that that's true for you, you know, you may never find that in a medical textbook, but it is true how you feel. So I guess what I'm saying is trust yourself, trust your feelings and trust that they are trying to teach you or to get your awareness. Oftentimes I'll say, what, what else am I to know about this and keep asking that until it's like, Oh, okay. I figured this out. This wasn't even what I thought it was. And that's often the case. Yeah. Yeah. So just staying with it long enough for it to really fully inform you, I think is, is, my point about feeling the feelings.
0: Absolutely. I think it's something that I've really tried to do more of during the pandemic, just having, to, you know, being forced to be alone with my thoughts a little bit more and realizing, hey, if I'm going through it, instead of maybe trying to force myself to do something that I'm not going to really do that well anyway at this point, because whatever is going on is. You know, and instead either going into another room and kind of sitting and staring at a wall a little bit and kind of refocusing or getting outside, going for a walk, getting the change in scenery a little bit and, you know, another way of kind of moving it through rather than, okay, well, I'm just going to have a quick snack or I'm going to get really busy on this other project but truly feeling it. And you operate better in every area of your life. I think when we take a little bit of that extra time for ourselves,
1: I would totally agree with you.
0: So I'd love to know for you, you know, you started out, you'd had some meditation experience prior, just weren't really implementing it. You then started the 60 day practice. What does your meditation practice look like now? How has it evolved since then?
1: so the original style of meditation which was the challenge is more of a healing meditation that i i do and i i do that every evening right before i go to bed and in the morning i'll sit outside i've got a little spot out here right outside my window where i can sit in nature for at least 30 minutes this morning was actually 45 but that that's my practice So I have prompts every five to six minutes that just say, okay, keep breathing, refocus, refocus back on your anchor. And it's silent the rest of the time I'm listening to nature or the water flowing or cars going by because it's morning time, kids Mm -hmm. walking to the bus kind of thing. So I'm just really just trying to be in that particular moment. So so morning and evening, and then my little 15-minute check-in in the middle of the day. And um, there are times when I will know that if I take a longer break, I will come back much more ready to tackle whatever task. Mm-hmm. So short breaks don't typically work for me to reset my nervous system. I need a full- power reset sometimes. So I do that quite often actually.
0: I think that self-awareness is so important too because I think often we talked about it quite a bit but this power through mentality and you know maybe we'll take the 5 minute break but did you really get anything out of the 5 minute break? Maybe not. And so to really be honest with yourself about that so that you know hey if I if I take 30 minutes then everything else today is going to get, you know, I'm still going to get everything done, but it's going to be done better. It's going to probably be done in less time. And I'm going to feel better doing it.
1: All of the above. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And and there are times that I'll do one of those yoga poses, like feet up the wall thing where I'm mm-hmm. laying on the floor. And that I find that one to be very helpful to reset. So oftentimes I'll, I'll be just doing that. The dog's licking my face. Like this isn't very restful if you're licking my face, but nevertheless, uh, it's, it's just kind of fun. That's awesome. And I'd
0: love to know for our listeners who haven't gotten to read the book yet. I know you, you include a lot of different exercises in the book for cultivating this awareness and for, for slowing ourselves down, becoming more intentional, I'd love to know if you'd be willing to share one of the exercises that we could all do to cultivate that mindfulness.
1: That's a great question. There are 11 exercises in the book. And I think the one that we could do now would be number 11 because it's more of an uh, an exercise in intuition in making a choice. By the way I'm I'm in the middle of getting the workbook out uh, so there will be a companion volume that'll come along with seven mindful questions for people to work through the exercises and a lot more room to write than what's in the actual book. But uh, so let's go, let's do the last exercise. Think about something where you need to make a decision. And, you know, you've got two good options. And, you know, you've got one that if you went down that way, you think, okay, well, that would be fine. Or the other, it's like, I'm just not sure what I want to do. Either of these are really pretty good options, but I, I just don't know what I want to do. So typically I'll drop into a a meditation. I'll close my eyes and I'll take a nice deep breath and I'll visualize a gauge, like a speedometer where, uh, you know, hundred miles per hour would be yes. And zero miles per hour would be no. And right in the middle is maybe, you know, straight up and down, maybe uh, let's say 50 miles per hour. So I'll close my eyes and I'll think, okay, What would option one, is it leaning more towards yes or no? And so if you get a hundred percent hit, you know, it goes all the way over to yes, then that's your answer, you know, but you could also try, okay, option two and you close your eyes and is this the best option for me? And it will, you'll get a reading. And if they're both maybes right in the middle, you cannot make a mistake You can choose one or the other. And then you can also ask, is there a third option I haven't thought of? And then sometimes uh, you'll get a yes for that, which would be clearer than either of the two options that you already had in place. So that I find to be incredibly helpful, especially when, you know, you can get into analysis paralysis, like, do I take this job or don't I take this job? Or should I do this with my friends or should I stay home kind of thing? So really tuning into your intuition and trusting it that, that you're going to be able to move forward.
0: I think that's such a great exercise and something that is just so applicable for so many. I mean, how many times we've had a decision to make where it really, it it is not that clear cut. This one is legal and this one isn't, or this one is financially what I can do and this one isn't, but truly, you know, something where either way, things will probably be okay, but which one is really going to serve you? And I think so often that can be, we, we get so stuck in making that decision and we second guess. And I think to do a visualization like that has to really help. So I, I'm definitely going to be trying that the next time I have a decision to make for
1: sure. Yeah. It's in the chapter on alternatives. So you can definitely try that. And That's- it's easy to do really, to be honest. I mean, there's, you don't need anything. The other exercise is all required paper. <laughs>
0: Well, I think that also helps with, you know, when you talked about the journaling to get everything out too, I think that really kind of kills two birds with one stone. I I hate to use that expression, but you're getting to work out some of that energy and you are cultivating that mindfulness. So I, I really like that too. And I think jotting things down on paper so often things come up that we don't realize that we have kind of buried inside.
1: You're absolutely right.
0: Well, I absolutely love this. I love the seven questions and I'm excited to really start just applying them to my own life and really, especially cultivating that awareness. I think we do so much that we're not even... We, we don't even realize that we're doing. And if we do realize, we're not really sure why we're doing them. We're just kind of going through the motions. Even if something isn't really necessary, doesn't really make us happy, but it's what we, it's what we've always done. So that's what we continue to do. So I really absolutely love that. I think there is such a need for a book like yours and I'm excited to apply more of it to my life. Where can listeners find your book and what else can they expect to find?
1: So uh, Grounded in Chaos and Seven Mindful Questions, the one that we're talking about today, they're both out on Amazon. So they're available either in the Kindle format or paperback, whichever you prefer. The workbook, as I said, will be coming out shortly. I have a website, my name, L-I-S-A-N-E-Z-N-E-S-K-I. Dot .com lisenesneski.com and it more or less explains all the things that I'm I'm working on on the website i'll be having a full day workshop on the seven mindful questions i think sometime in october so that will be coming up and, and information about that my thursday and friday meditations are live both on instagram and zoom I record them. So your listeners are going to have access to those. I'm pretty excited about that. I'm I'm sending you a link that you can put into your show notes.
0: Thank you so much. I know the listeners are going to absolutely love that. So many of us, myself included, are still struggling to figure out our exact practice and how we can really incorporate meditation and mindfulness into our lives. And I think having these resources available is such a gift. And I really do appreciate that. Before I let you go, I would love to ask you a few of our rapid fire questions too so our listeners can get to know you a little more. Sure,
1: let's do it.
0: Wonderful. What would you say is your top
1: wellness tip? Self-care, hydration, exercise, good nutrition, sleep, and unplug from your devices. Those are my five (laughs) self-care practices that, that I do every day.
0: Those are so important. The unplug is a really big one for me that I'm still working on, but even turning off those notifications half the time makes such a huge difference. And I'm amazed at how much better I feel when my phone isn't lighting up, um, or going off in the other room, even. It's amazing.
1: Exactly. I agree.
0: Now, where is your favorite travel destination?
1: Wow. You know, I haven't been to many places outside of the U.S., but I am jonesing. I really, really, really (laughs) want to go to Costa Rica.
0: Oh, yes. I've never been, but the pictures, it looks absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah, I actually bought a map of Costa Rica in the bookstore, and I have it hanging here on my wall behind my (laughs) Zoom. And I keep thinking, okay, someday I'll get there, you know.
0: You're manifesting it. When this pandemic is over, it will. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Now, if you were an animal, what animal would you be and why?
1: Well, that's easy. I'd be a dog. The unconditional love. Wow. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a, a long-haired wiener dog, and she's mm. um, she's dog number four or five. Um, but you know, I never had a, a dog growing up. But I, I I had a Yorkshire Terrier, Ralph. Ralph was crazy. He was a crazy man. Then uh, then we got poppers when my son was four years old, and he did a sales job on my then husband on why we needed a dog, and it, and she lived 18 years. Wow. Then um, Oshi is my next dog, and she's still with me, and then I found a rescue on I-75. He was uh, running around a truck stop, but he was a very ill dog. I guess someone dumped him, and I kept him for about six months, and then he he passed away. So that's my history with dogs. I love dogs.
0: They're such amazing animals. I wish that I had one of my own, but I get so many dog cuddles from the family dogs for sure. They're, they're really just the unconditional love. It's so true. Just so pure. Now, if you could master a completely new skill, what would that be?
1: Pablo espanol. <laughs> Un poquito. I have a team that helps me with my Instagram and they're in Brazil and they they know Portuguese. So I'm picking up a few words of that, but Spanish here in, I live in Florida and I really, uh, un poquito. You know, yeah. I really, I think it's important for me to stretch myself to be able to communicate in another language. So I'm i am practicing, but I'm absolutely I sound like a gringa. I'm so <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm right there next to you. I'm the same. I am dying to learn. I, I do practice. I have a few coworkers that speak Spanish. And so I make them talk to me in Spanish and I make them translate for me. (laughs) But, um, but I think it's so important, especially, yeah, in the state of Florida, so many people speak it and, you know, you want to be able to communicate. And then when you go to other countries too, be able to communicate in their language. So I think, I think that's wonderful. Duolingo became my best friend in the pandemic.
1: Yeah. You know, that's was an app created in Pittsburgh, which is oh, my wow. home. That's my home. So, yeah. Uh, so learning Spanish would be wonderful to go to Costa Rica.
0: Absolutely. And what would you say is next for you on your bucket list? Bucket
1: list. I'm not exactly sure I have a bucket list. I guess traveling would be mm-hmm. something that I haven't done. I th- I think I want more people in my life who are of like mind that are spiritual, that are interested in bettering themselves, that are sort of go-getters, but are reformed. <laughs> so I'm looking for you know more more people in my life.
0: I think that's wonderful. I think that's something we could all use more of just like minded people that we can, you know, live life with. I think that's fantastic. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on, for sharing your wisdom. I think listeners will so enjoy the book and the lessons learned from that. I think the meditations are going to, I cannot wait to do the meditations, but I think, you know, what an incredible resource for all of us. And, you know, you mentioned your website, where are you on social media? Where else can everybody find you?
1: Uh, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. Wonderful. I will link all of your profiles
0: in the show notes to the listeners can find you and connect as well as the website and the meditation link too. Thank you so much for coming on and for sharing with us today.
1: Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. This was a wonderful discussion and thank you again. I really appreciate being invited to attend.
0: I loved getting the chance to connect with Lisa and learn more about incorporating mindfulness into my own life. I am a very go, go, go kind of person, and I've been trying to find ways to stop and actually experience my life a little bit more. So I found her book, Seven Mindful Questions, to be a really helpful framework for me. I think that the pause and reflect step is one that can be so tempting to skip, but I think it is just as important as the others and something that I'm working on on a day-to-day basis. I've linked Seven Mindful Questions along with her first book, Grounded in Chaos, and her free guided meditations in the show notes here today. I hope you will check them out. As always, thank you for tuning in and for sharing this part of your day with me. If you have a topic you would like to explore in a future episode, don't hesitate to reach out to me on Instagram at wellness and wanderlust blog or by email at valerie@wellnessandwanderlust.net. At As I've said before, one of the best ways you can lend your support to the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuning in from so that others can find the show better. It takes just a few minutes out of your day and makes all the difference. So if you find yourself tuning in from week to week, I would love to hear your thoughts. I hope you have a wonderful day, my friends. I cannot wait to see you next week.